The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less, and we've been doing it for 100 episodes! And we're done. Thank you, everybody. No, we have, uh, we've been counting down uh, our most requested episodes ever. Uh, we did uh, Cop Rock, which bless you for making that one of our most requested episodes ever. That's <laughs> that's very weird of you. That was a pleasure. I liked doing Cop Rock. Uh, last time we had Selfie, a, a very popular cult sitcom uh, co-starring the great Sam Levine, who was kind enough to join us on that show. Please. And we had to wait a couple extra days scheduling blah, 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 blah. But we have him back here to discuss our most requested show Ever, Sam Levine, welcome. Oh, thank you so much. It is a true <laughs> honor to be back here. Yeah, and uh, he was not gone. Sam Levine was not gone, like, you know, gallivanting about drinking <laughs> it up with all of his, his Hollywood buddies. He was out making millions of dollars for charity. Uh, I was, but in fairness, there is also a lot of drinking and gallivanting with my celebrity buddies you know, at the charity. I'll tell you what, if you put that on film, yeah, just say, you know, give me 20 bucks and I'll do another shot. Yeah. And you know, hundred people do that, you get mm. smashed drunk. That's a great He's gonna way to die. run. Die. Yeah. hundred hundred shots. Well, maybe he'll, not. He'll maybe, get, not a, maybe not a hundred shots. No, I can like do a hundred shots. Like, We're like, talking water, right? Sure. Okay. I, yeah, I didn't say it was booze. Yeah. Okay. You can just say. I saw Coyote. Yeah, I know it's, it's just ice tea back there. Yeah, you're on the wiser. Yeah. Anyway, this uh, whiskey wink. Real fast, just 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 tell us what you like exactly. Oh, what you're doing. It's, it's a charity. It's called Big Slick uh, KC. It's for Kansas City. It is a wonderful charity benefiting Children's Mercy Hospital uh, in Kansas City, and they are a, a fantastic organization. Uh, they treat all pediatric cancers free of charge. That's amazing. Uh, they have housing that they will set families up with, so oh. families do not become separated. Um, they are. Truly, some of the nicest doctors and nurses and hospital staff, uh, the coordinators, the uh, patient care specialists are incredibly warm, generous, loving people. Uh, they are doing great work there. And because of the fact that they do it for free, it is largely um, uh, philanthropically funded. Mm. So it is charities like the Big Slick organization. This past weekend alone, we raised $2,099,000 plus dollars. <laughs> Very uh, nice. For the organization, Big Slick has been around nine years, and to date, uh, we've raised over eight million dollars for Children's Mercy Hospital. There are many other uh, ways you can donate, but check them out if you are so inclined. Uh, Children's Mercy Hospital, Big Slick, KC org, um, and uh, it is a, an honor to participate in something like that. That is such a wonderfully good cause. So the episode was a couple of days late, <laughs> and I'm not going to feel too guilty about that no. because we no, raised no, no, millions no. of dollars for charity. Yeah, and thank you for coming. We're gonna we're gonna let it slide. Um, no, we want you to skip your charity events. I so understand. You can, you know. <laughs> 
Kvetch and Cavell. You don't understand. Cancel Too Soon is a very popular podcast. Very, very popular. (laughs) Our tens of listeners. Um, Dozens and dozens of listeners who might be upset. um, But seriously, thank you for coming back. And thank you, everybody, uh, uh, for joining us. Uh, A lot of you have been here from the beginning, and that's really, really cool. Uh, We want to especially thank all of our Patreon subscribers at patreon.com slash canceled too soon. Um, A lot of you just... You contribute a little money. Some of you contribute a lot of money. Uh, a lot of people have contributed uh, DVDs through our Amazon wish list for material for us to review. We st- we know we haven't reviewed all of them. We got a lot. Yeah. Wow. We have a lot that we're going through. We set up an Amazon wish list, and, mm-hmm. and the riches that were piled on us was frankly embarrassing. We thought we'd get a few. We got so many. We got dozens. So mm-hmm. like we're still pouring through them, and we will get oh, to boy. all of your stuff eventually. And Freaks and Geeks right. was a donation. Thank you for that. Um, but yeah, if if you want to help out. Uh, if you can't afford anything, just tell a friend. Leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, if you can afford to help out, patreon.com slash cancel too soon. We just updated uh, some of our perks. So in addition to all the stuff you usually got, uh, we switched some things out. We have a new bonus podcast called Only the Best, where Whitney and I review every Best Picture nominee in order. The new episode is up now. Also, um, for our new website, criticallyacclaimed.net, uh, you, through your Patreon subscription, can assign us articles to write. You are our mm-hmm. editors. Uh, so head on over there and check that out. But now you've waited long enough, and we're going to talk about not just a popular show, not just a, a famous show, mm-hmm. not just the show that tops many, many lists of these shows that were definitely canceled too soon, but a show that was so critically acclaimed it was literally all the advertising. Like, this is the majority of the advertising I found <laughs> was just all the critics agree. So let's give a listen to uh, the, the, the soft sell that NBC gave you for Freaks and Geeks. There's something extraordinary happening with a new show coming to NBC. Everyone who's seen it has fallen in love with Freaks and Geeks. From Time and Newsweek to Rolling Stone and Entertainment Weekly, the reviews are spectacular. But adults aren't the only ones raving. In a recent L.A. Times poll, teens voted Freaks and Geeks most popular, relatable, funny, real, a wonderful hour for the family. Freaks and Geeks premieres this Saturday at 8, 7 central on NBC. I remember in like the 1999-2000 era, there were a lot of like critically acclaimed shows Mm -hmm. that were really trying to shove themselves up as TV's arty now. And Mm. The Sopranos was the lead offender. There were so many commercials for The Sopranos that was just critics quotes that SNL did a sketch about it that was just the, the quotes getting more and more hyperbolic like TV Guide says I'm afraid to close my eyes for fear that if I open them again the Sopranos might not be there wow <laughs> and Freaks and Geeks was like this I I hadn't seen Freaks and Geeks until we started working on this episode and it was one of those shows where everyone's like you haven't seen Freaks and Geeks and then they shot me in the face wow yeah. it was harsh uh, and this was this was also pushed on me. I, I, I unfortunately wasn't one of the people who watched it live. Most but, people uh, when, weren't. When uh, when it was off the air for like maybe uh, like two or three years, uh, a friend came came up to me. She handed me two uh, DVD box sets. One was Curb Your Enthusiasm, and the other one was Freaks and Geeks. Mm. Like, you need to see these shows. Wow. Um, I'm grateful she gave me Freaks and Geeks. Yeah, it's uh, probably it, the best time for me to tell you guys. I actually don't like to talk about Freaks and Geeks. It's been 18 years. I'm sure uh-huh. you've talked about it a lot. I'm kind of yeah, over you it. You know what? So We're going to talk about why it sucks. Stories. Yeah, I'm just going to sit here quietly and listen to you discuss. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Awkward. Can you imagine? <laughs> 
That would be this was yeah, we, we could do that if you're if you're because yeah. really, I'm sure you've been interviewed about this no, show. No, I haven't. And, huh? and here's what I always say about it when people are like, I know you've heard this a million times, just gonna tell you how good Freaks and Geeks was. Yeah. And apologies for throwing my fellow uh entertainment people under the bus. I always say, yeah, but here's the thing. I don't mind that because I know how good the show was. No. Like it would be another thing if I were on according to Jim. <laughs> like and I knew I was on this piece of crap mm. and then I have to spend the rest of my career with fans at bars oh according to Jim what's up man? yeah yeah thanks a lot you know I interviewed uh, Don Cheadle once and I asked him about uh, he was in Volcano before he became yeah, like sure. a big big name mm. and uh, I talked about Volcano it's a camp movie a lot of people enjoy it and he was talking about how he used to be embarrassed by it and then one time he was out with his mother and the, someone came up to him and said Volcano was their favorite movie and he was like oh god um, thank you sorry and his mother took him aside and said that's someone's favorite movie they like that just take the compliment and yeah. he was like okay, you know what fair enough so yeah. Volcano cool his mom yeah. straightened him out people like Volcano and a yeah. lot of people like Freaks and Geeks but right. it also happened to be a, a critically yeah, quite a good that show. was one movie this was one season according to Jim was on the air for like nine years yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. Were you on According to Jim? No, I was not. I was going to say, like, you really dedicated no. to that particular No, and I know, it's, it's, I know a good, a good handful example, of the though, actors yeah. who were some of them regulars, uh, was a recurring, and, mm. I, and, and God love all of them. Mm. But it was not a good show. Yeah. <laughs> After nine seasons, I think we get how Jim is going to, like, mm. respond to things, right? Yeah. I mean, like, According to yeah. Jim... You need nine it's, seasons uh, for that? Yeah. Italian opera, according to Jim. You yeah. know, what, what are you going to get to at some point? All right, so uh, Freaks and Geeks, mm-hmm. I assume you probably know about it since it's our most requested give, show, but give, just a quick give spiel. The, give the vitals, uh, anyway. It takes place in the early 1980s at a high school in Michigan? 1980. Specifically 1980. Specifically 1980. Um, I think they might have fudged it a little bit with some of the movie release dates. They did, well, here's what, I mean... Because I think uh, Stripes didn't come out in 1980. Well, no, it's 80-81 is, yeah. the, is the school year we're covering. Okay, and it's a, it's, it's a school in Michigan? It is a school in... In, uh, yes, in Michigan, yeah. I think yeah. it's supposed to be uh, like Chippewa Falls, Michigan. Maybe. Yeah, uh, it aired from uh, an, aired on NBC from September twenty fifth, nineteen ninety nine, through March twentieth, two thousand, and then they aired the rest of the episodes on Fox Family, uh, and then eventually mm-hmm. it came out as a very respectable DVD set from Shout Factory mm-hmm. with a ton of commentary tracks, mm-hmm. a nice little booklet. In April of 04, I believe. Yep, uh, that is a great yeah. set, and you each can still one, pick that up. Each one comes with a coupon for a dinner with Dave Gruber Allen, because that guy wow. will do anything. Wow. And Freaks and Geeks is a show that, you know, a lot of the critics loved it, but it aired on Saturdays. It was originally slotted on Saturdays at yeah. 8 o'clock. Right, and and oh, it, was, it was an interesting block, because you had this... Nostalgic, sensitive, earnest story about growing up in high school, followed by The Pretender and Profiler. Yep. It was a weird block of <laughs> no, television. No, no, no. The one, two, three punch everyone thought was felt very organic. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, it aired opposite Cops and Early Edition. Um, you beat Cops. No, we didn't. No, that looked like it looked like you did on the ratings I saw. Maybe in the first, know, you know, in the first episode. Maybe <laughs> I think Cops was had a rerun. By by ninety nine, Cops was like on the downslide. You know, you, you go to ninety two, Cops is standing astride the world. I'm, by ninety nine, Cops I, is. I don't know the numbers specifically, to, but I remember disputes. at some point in our run, when we knew we were not doing well in the ratings, Judd said to us at lunch something like, "Guys, we can't let Cops beat us again." <laughs> How did he feel about Early Edition? Early Edition was pretty good, you know, right? I mean, that, like, it's a scripted show, at least. Okay. You don't mind losing to a scripted show, but in 99, before the deluge of reality TV, mm-hmm. Cops was really the only game in town for that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was really just 
kind of this sort of sleazy yeah. look at the dredges of society thrill. It was lowbrow entertainment. Well, it wasn't as bad as something like Blind Date or The Fifth Wheel or some of those really horrible. I knew someone who went on Blind Date. Really? Yeah, it was oh, terrible. Gosh. Yeah, it was really, really, really oh, embarrassing. God, it was, for it was like the most prurient, awful. Just never mind. I don't want to go on about Blind Date. But Early Edition was about a guy who got the newspaper a day early. Great. And yeah. Freaks and Geeks was Lasted a decades. Was a critically you know, acclaimed sense of yesterday's winning lottery numbers in the in the newspaper. Why didn't that guy live in ten mansions? I that's that's the question. Mm. I think it was because honor, honorability. The cat tomorrow, wouldn't let him. If I'm getting tomorrow's newspaper, I am going to be thing, the yeah. Warren Buffett of the stock market. <laughs> there is this late '90s or mid to late '90s like section of genre television that was successful enough to last a long time, but no one talks about it anymore. Like early edition or Due South, where it's like he's a Canadian Mountie in America. That's it. That's all we got. That's all we got. It's a culture clash. That's yeah. all you need. Martial law. No one talks about martial law anymore. Yeah. Martial law was it. Nash Bridges was pretty good. I didn't watch any of these shows. Yeah, exactly. Well, this is a time when I was kind of tuning out of TV altogether. Because I was in college. I didn't get a chance to watch a lot of TV when I was in college. I was too busy studying. Yeah. So I could catch up with maybe two shows. And it was The Simpsons and The X-Files. And that was kind of it. Yeah. Why? You, did, you saved it all for Sunday night. Yeah. yeah pretty, pretty That was the, the, like, by then my homework was done. And so X-Files sure. was on the wane, too, and at yeah, that point. It, it was in, not... like, in, like, the late 90s. Well, that was kind of, yeah, I guess it was past the I guess my point is point. this. When Freaks and Geeks came along, we hadn't hit what we yet were yet to call the golden age of like new television, mm-hmm. where really impressive serialized entertainment and sure. comedies without laugh tracks, and they were really pushed and given the attention that they deserved. They weren't just acclaimed; they had good ratings. Um, and I think Freaks and Geeks was ahead of its time in that regard. I think Freaks and Geeks was also a bit ahead of its time in its nostalgia for that particular era. Yeah. Sure. yeah. I think a lot of the nostalgia we still had, I mean, like, even if you think about, we've talked about this before on another podcast, remember when Batman came out in 1989 and the studios all responded, oh, they liked Batman. And they, they like, were, they, they like, like 30s nostalgia. Was yeah. Sort of so response. we better make the shadow and the phantom. It wasn't, mm-hmm. oh, we'd better make another Superman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Dick Tracy. Dick Tracy was good. I actually like most of those movies. Yeah. Most of those movies are pretty good. But yeah, this early 80s, late 70s kind of nostalgia, aside from Dazed and Confused, which wasn't a particularly big hit when it first came out. Mm-hmm. Again, acclaimed. But yeah. yeah. Uh, this was this was pretty unique. Um, now, as someone who worked on the show, can you tell us a little bit about when it first came along? Did it seem unusual as a, as a gig, as a project, or did, was it just another show? For you initially, oh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm so sorry. no, I'm so sorry. I thought James Franco was standing behind. No, me. no, no, I'm, no, I'm asking Whitney. Whitney was, was an extra. Um, the uh, <laughs> so it was my first uh, pilot uh, when mm. I when I got when I booked Freaks and Geeks. I'd never been on a television pilot before, um, and so I had nothing to base it on. I had nothing to compare it to. Like, oh, is this typical? Is this you mm-hmm. know? Is this what every set's like? And had you done any movies, TV? At that I point? had not done any movies. I'd done a l- I'd done some TV in, in New York. I'd done a soap. I'd done a bunch of commercials. What soap were you on? Uh, One Life to Live. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. as the world turns, kid. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. um, but you think uh, I'm joking? I, I I know you're not. Okay. You never joke. Um, not about this. Okay, not about not as the world turns. Not about, I know. Not about your soaps. Not about your stories. Um, so yeah, I, the only thing that I could gauge it by was the crew. Because, uh, you know, any crew worth their salt has, has worked on 150 things. And so 
the crew was were the ones telling me and John Daly like this is unusual. Mm-hmm. Normally, morale on a pilot is never this good. <laughs> like everybody here really, really likes what we're doing. You can tell the production company, the studio, which was DreamWorks, mm-hmm. you can tell they really want this thing to succeed. They were throwing a lot of money at it. They had, uh, you know, a, a, a cappuccino uh, trucks and stuff, coffee <laughs> trucks, which in 99 was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, it was not as ubiquitous as it is today. Like, they were spending money to treat the crew every day because they knew they were making them work long hours. And uh, we had great craft service, always a good sign. You have a well-funded project. And uh, I, I love that the, the ordinary baseline is that nobody has any hope in any pilot. And that, that some hope is a good sign. It's not that they, it was hope. I mean, they always hope that the pilot will go. But even with a crew, there's no guarantee that they're going to get hired on it should it get picked mm-hmm. up to series. This crew was genuinely excited that someone was making a really good pilot. Mm. Uh, and I think it's because it didn't matter who you were, it didn't matter where you came from or even what era, there were aspects of this pilot that everyone who is not a model, uh, <laughs> you know, who's not a professional model growing up could look at and go, I get it. Mm. I get it. This speaks to me on a level that nothing I've ever seen has before. And so I got that feeling from the crew like mm-hmm. and then they would just outright tell me like this is unusual yeah crews are not this excited so i felt great about it while mm-hmm. we were making it but still reserved like like i had had long conversations with judd and with my own manager and like most pilots do not get picked up mm-hmm. if it does get picked up most shows do not succeed you know, That's like, the premise of this podcast. Right. And so I was <laughs> yeah. really, really, really trying to manage my expectations the whole way. How many Emmy acceptance speeches did you give in the mirror? Uh, zero. Oh, that's yeah. what jinxed it. You had to do oh, that. Oh, no, really? You had to do that every time. Yeah, that's <laughs> well, how you know. I put it on the universe him now. Is ready. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's we did. Fault. I did sort of win an Emmy. Kind of. The show did win one Emmy mm-hmm. for. Best casting. That's right. Feather in so. my cap. <laughs> yeah, it was nominated for uh, two uh, Emmys for writing uh, for Paul Feig. Yep. I think in particular he created the show. Paul Feig went on uh, to do Bridesmaids and uh, The Heat and Spy uh, and Ghostbusters, which I liked. Uh, mm-hmm. um, All right, Ghostbusters. I liked it. Uh, <laughs> and it was, of course, executive produced by Judd Apatow. Uh, but I never heard think, of him. And Judd Apatow, of course, invented like this new brand of comedy where there's a plot, but mostly you just point cameras at actors and let them riff and mm-hmm. use 30 minutes. Of it. You don't and, have and to they're say all about man children. Yeah, <laughs> you don't have to say new kind. John Apatow invented comedy. Yeah, okay, there you go. But what I think nobody is, laughed. But here's the thing: point. everyone talks about what they did after. Mm-hmm. No one talks about how they were all alumni of the TV wheel. Which, by the way, yep. we had an episode of last year. Mm-hmm. So if you want to find out more about where all this came from, the TV wheel. It's really weird. Joel Hodgson ends up actually in this show, which I appreciated. It's good mm-hmm. stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah. This the casting director deserved an Emmy. Yes, that would be the, the great Allison Jones. Who, yeah. if you, you you may not recognize her name offhand, but feel free to look her up. It's Allison with two L's. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. uh, she has she is behind the casting of some of your most beloved features and television shows of the last 25 years. And the cast of Freaks and Geeks were some of them had done stuff before, but like they were not the stars that they would become. Oh, so in addition, Lord, no. yeah. so in addition to so the, the, uh, the I, great Sam Levine please uh-huh. uh, 
Thank you. Uh, we had uh, Linda Cardellini uh, playing the basically the series protagonist, Lindsay Weir. We had John Francis Daly, uh, whose acting career didn't progress terribly far, but then ended up uh, co-writing Spider-Man Homecoming, co-directing uh, Game Night, which I really, really mm-hmm. liked. And he was also responsible for a big part of Vacation, but nobody's perfect. Wow. Um, he got to tell off Ryan Reynolds in that really horrible movie, Waiting. Oh, That's yeah. true. Yeah. Uh, for the record, his acting career was doing fine. He was a series regular on both. For like oh, that's six right. Years. He was. I forgot about that. Oh yeah, no, he made that, that series I, regular money for six se- seasons in a row. I didn't he mean did to, just fine. I didn't mean to say <laughs> that he was a nobody. My point is, he transitioned. Right. It didn't progress forever. Well, yeah, that was, was the this. thing. Was yeah. he was on this series, you know, as you know, number four on the call sheet or whatever it was, and you can you can live there forever. Mm, in mm. in a, a role like that on a show like that, and then basically just find another show like that the next year. But that's just not what he wanted anymore. He wanted to be a writer director, and he's doing quite well. And he's doing great. At it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We got Seth Rogen. We got Jason Siegel. We got Martin Starr. We got James Franco. Mm. We got uh, uh, and a ton of really really great supporting uh, oh, cast amazing. members. Amazing. Yeah, Joe Flaherty. I love him. <laughs> and there's an episode where he got to dress as a vampire, like on SCTV. <laughs> that made me so oh, yeah. happy. Oh yeah. Um, Count Floyd. Yeah, Count Floyd was shit. I love Count Floyd. I was a big SCTV um, fan. Me too. I'm, I'm a big fan of Dave, Dave Gruber Allen, just because oh, he's local mm. and he'll show up at every comedy show. Like, you, you go know? to see something live and he's there. He moved to Salt Lake City a few <gasps> years ago. No! Oh, I want to do this, folks. No, I guess that makes but sense. But he comes, he comes to town. Okay. But it's always nice to, we call it a Gruber sighting. Yeah. <laughs> always nice when there's a Gruber sighting. Yeah, we, uh, my wife and I went to see one of those uh, cinematic Titanic live Oh, the best. Oh, I was there with and, you for that. Yeah, yeah, and, he did and, that great intro. And there was... With, I saw the sign. And he had yeah. a series of signs. He had a series of signs. Uh, and yeah, he had uh, Mary Jo Peel come out and hold up a sign that said I. Whenever they sang I and I saw the okay. sign. Uh, and yeah, he just sort of danced on stage for a, pretty much 45 straight minutes before the show. He was Great. the pre-show entertainment. Terrific. He also claimed to have added the, uh, the K to MST3K. He, he lays claim to that, and that particular him. epithet. I don't doubt it. You had a lot of MST3K alumni. Were you a fan before? Oh, huge the- okay. fan. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> actually, but that actually brings up something because you and I are like almost exactly the same age. You were born like four days before uh, after me. Okay. Uh, so you and I are in the same generation. Whitney's yeah. a little bit older. Yeah. Freaks and Geeks is about nostalgia for a year you and I weren't alive in. This is correct. What 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 was that sort of? Did it seem like you were playing someone that you experienced yeah. that you knew in high school, or did you have to wrap your head around some stuff? Uh, I'll tell you. So since since you and I are both eighty two, mm-hmm. okay, um, and I know March eighty two. Yeah, you and I are very like minded. So I have to imagine you much like me, even though we grew up late eighties, mostly nineties kids. I was fascinated much more so by the pop culture from the 70s and and early 80s. Mm-hmm. I I grew up watching movies like Stripes mm-hmm. and Caddyshack and Animal House and Airplane. Uh, those those were the movies of my youth because I had a father who was like, I, I don't know what the kids are watching today. I want to show my, my son's stuff that I know is funny. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I, I grew up with that. So I felt a very close connection to the material from a pop culture standpoint. I mean, I personally don't know what it is to grow up in Michigan in 1980, but 
I wasn't uh, an outdoorsy kid with an active social life. So from a pop culture standpoint, this was the world I knew. Mm. Um, Led Zeppelin has been my favorite band since I'm 12 years old. Um, so it was, it was, this was easy for me to get into that mindset. And then beyond that, what I sort of mentioned at the beginning was the themes in Freaks and Geeks are true of any era. Mm-hmm. Especially the geeks. It's mm-hmm. the outsiders. It's not, it's not, oh, these guys text and we don't text. Texting and social media has nothing to do with it. It's, there's the popular kids and the mainstream kids, and then there's us, mm-hmm. the outsiders, the kids who quote Monty Python, or I guess maybe two generations later quote Mr. Show, or kids in the hall to each other, <laughs> yeah. or whatever it is, it, you're, you're the kids who would rather do but, that with your buddies. But there, there's a, a, an interesting angle that Freaks and Geeks took, though, because I, we see that outsider narrative in, like, in Saturday morning cartoons yeah. and sitcoms, it's everywhere. And Freaks and Geeks is one of those rare instances where it looks at the geeks and they long to sort of break in and date mm-hmm. the popular girls, but they're also really happy where they are. Sure. Uh, there's there's that really wonderful scene, I, I forgot which episode it was from, which number, I don't, don't where um, I, all of the, the geek characters, you and, and your in friends, the, are in the AV room. In the AV room. Yeah, and that's then, the last and episode. They get, yeah, yeah. And they get this really great it's speech from the AV guy saying, this is... What what do we do until then? Until then, you just enjoy yourself. And he pulls out the the Holy Grail mm-hmm. print. Yeah, eventually and, you'll be cool. Yeah, ev- eventually you'll... you'll be cool. And now just enjoy yourself. And I think that was that's savvy in a way that the other shows that have that sort of outsider narrative don't really understand. That there's actually a lot of joy in well, this little pocket, and the oh. way those characters interact is far more uh, dynamic and far more interesting and far more realistic. The reason I framed my my question mm-hmm. to Sam that way was because you know you're old enough that you were actually like in school and having conscious thoughts and forming a personality yeah. when the show was set. We were not... How old are you? He's 83. <laughs> uh, he's... When, when, I'm a, uh, 106. No, I was born in 78. You were born in 78. So you were in school. I was in school. What? You were actually... Like, what? He, he was, was I was in was fine. I was in kindergarten. You said you related to this. I thought you were born in 74. Anyway, my point is this. <laughs> I was born in 74. I don't fucking know. My I'm point is this. Wow. I, Do I look that old to you? I watched the show. Uh-huh. And, and, and listen, again, I only just watched this show. Like, I finished the last episode this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I was burning through it. I watched the entire series from yesterday mm-hmm. to today. Wow. It was a late night. Uh, and this show had been built up as this sort of paragon of honesty and uh, reality and every, it's, it's universality. And I'm watching this show, and as much as I appreciate mm-hmm. the craftsmanship that went into it, the great performances, the really solid writing, I'm watching it and I'm just like, I do not recognize this. This was mm-hmm. not actually my experience. This divide between geeks and popular kids did not exist at my high school. There were people who were in gangs and there were not. Mm. And well, there, were, but everyone we're Southern California kids. I, we so, were, yeah. I was a Southern California kid, so maybe it's a different experience. But like, and I'm not saying that's the only divide. I'm just saying like there weren't these like rigid John Hughes kind of strata. Everyone, everyone could quote pop movies. Everyone, there was if you like Star Wars, everyone liked Star who Wars. Who are you, Garth and Seer? I don't know who that is. <laughs> Do you get that reference? I don't you're laughing. It's okay if you don't. Garth Anseer was the NBC executive in charge of programming in 99-2000. Okay. Garth Anseer didn't get Freaks and Geeks. I because get- Garth Anseer went to a boarding school. Okay. I've heard that story, and, I'm, and I totally buy that. And here's the thing. 
I get the show. Like I've seen a lot of sh- a lot of programming, a lot of like you know, Stand by Me, a lot of nostalgic stuff about like experiences that were not mine. Mm-hmm. But I'm watching the show and I'm like, this doesn't have my experience mm-hmm. in it. So I'm kind of not connecting to it on this really deep way that so many of the show's intense fans do. And it actually felt I was it was well, a little hang alien. On. You said everyone in your school could quote movies. Yeah, not, not maybe not the same movies. I want to go to this school. It was a pretty good. Uh, how school. many kids were in your were in your school? I don't know, like a thousand. Uh, I had a, a public thousand. school. Okay, I had a thousand school. kids in my I didn't poll them. <laughs> no, but, but my point is that there really wasn't this whole like, oh, you like you like geek stuff. Kill like that no. wasn't a thing. No, I agree. I agree. But 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 for narrative purposes in a television show, you do need to have you know the Re- mean girls, the plastics, and that's yeah. you know no, I, I get like, it. like in Fast Times. You know, yeah. so there's there's the different groups and cliques. But I refuse to accept that whatever high school you were saying you went to didn't have little groups of people who gravitated towards each other oh, because were... they had mm. more things in common than they did with other kids. I'm not saying that people didn't have groups of friends. What okay. I'm saying was there wasn't necessarily a social structure as in these people are the cool kids and these people are not. Every group was considered more or less equivalent to each other in terms of popularity just because everyone was divvied off. Wow, well, There wasn't like, hmm. oh, I, I long to hang out by that tree with those kids. That really wasn't a thing. Okay, I'll give you that maybe there wasn't a specific tree, but I can tell you from my high school sure. that I went to from 96 to on, I guess I'm still there, I don't know. Um, there were absolutely cool kids, Beautiful girls, handsome jocks, popular cheerleaders, and I was not part of that. And there were parties that went on every weekend with that gang that I was never invited to. I, uh, I whenever I see a house party in a, a, t- a TV show that's set in high school or a movie that's set in high school, and there's these kids sitting around somebody's house and they're drinking, people are yeah. going upstairs and having sex. I never got invited to those those parties no. either. So for the longest time, even into college, I thought those parties were a fictionalized construct. Mm-hmm. Like some writer thought yeah. that this is what high school kids do and were sure. meant to relate to that. And I thought, no, that's not real. Right. Those kinds of parties don't happen. Turns out I just never went to those that's, parties. Yes, yeah, same thing. Mm-hmm. I at first when I got to high school and I, I heard when my first when my freshman year, I, I, I my school had a, a class that I could take in theater. And I was the only freshman, and it was all seniors who were, unbeknownst to me, taking the class because it was an easy A. Um, <laughs> and you didn't have to do any homework. So every class, though, we'd just be hanging out, and I'd be talking to these seniors. And it was a couple of very attractive girls, and they were talking about the parties that they went to that weekend, the sex they were having. And I thought they were just shining me on. <laughs> They're making up stories. I thought they were making up stories just to get a rise out of me. Little did I know, oh no, these parties are happening. Mm. There is sex going on between all the handsome populars of mm. my high school. I was never a part of that. Mm. So is it possible, Sir Bibiani? Uh-huh. <laughs> is it possible you weren't just that looking. shit was going on and you just never got the invite? No, no, I know that there were some parties. Okay. I was invited to some of oh, the parties. But fancy. I wasn't... But I, but I was mostly hanging out with the theater kids. Yeah. There you go. But... I was still, like, friends with other people. It wasn't that clicky. Well, yes, but friends is a very relative term when you're in high school. I mean, it would yeah, be... A classmate would, is a class... Every right, classmate. Everyone's right. a classmate. Like, if you think about... It, I it, love how this became, like, let's sh- let's shit on my high school experience. I am shitting on it, because <laughs> okay. I don't think you're viewing it through the proper prism. So, okay. if you think about Freaks and Geeks, like, it would be fair at a certain point... 
to declare Daniel Desario a friend of the geeks before Discos and Dragons. When he gives Sam the porn. Mm. Yeah. It would be fair for him to say, no, that guy's my friend. Or we're friendly. Yeah. Mm. But really, they have nothing in common. Desario's Did not I inviting him out. Did I say they were out. besties? Well, no. no but no, yeah. They have saying friends is a relative they, term. They can have a relationship and even be, have moments of warmth and trust and still not be considered friends because of the way high school social... I, I guess my point is the title of the show is The Divide. Okay. Freaks and Geeks. Not Freaks with Geeks. Not freaky geeks. Well, I, I also it had freaks. an old, I also had an older sister. She was three Geek, years older yeah. than me, so I understood the kind of divide of having an older generation the, in the house with you, who's having a, a, a slightly more sophisticated experience. So there was a lot about freaks and geeks that I actually did very mm-hmm. directly relate to. And also, the divide is not between the freaks and the geeks. The divide is we've got freaks, we've got geeks, and everyone else mm-hmm. the divide is these are not the cool kids and I mean that's mm-hmm. that is the opening shot of the show the opening shot of the pilot yeah. has the two the handsome jock and the beautiful cheerleader sitting on the the the, 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 the benches at the football field having a, a pulled out mm-hmm. of the WB Dawson's Creek <laughs> I just feel like we're not connecting and I want to love you you know and music sting, and then the shot goes beneath, beneath the, the bleachers, bleachers. <laughs> and pushes in, you know, with, with Van Halen, and it's the guys talking about how they wore the wrong shirt to church, you know, the Molly Hatchet shirt. Yeah. And that is us, that is them saying clearly, high school show, not about them, this is who it's about, this is who we are. So you could say they're friendly with those jock, with the jock and the cheerleader, but mm-hmm. they're not friends. It's about the two different groups as compared to the rest of the high school. The other difference I will say just between, and I, I'm sure there are other people who look at Freaks and Geeks and go, that's just not my high school, but like, you know, it's not a very multicultural high school. In fact, there's one of my favorite scenes is where you're talking to mm-hmm. one of the, like there's like three black characters over yeah. the course of the series, and yeah. there's actually like you talking about your experience being outsiders because your character is Jewish and yes. he's black, and it's a very, very white school. Yes. Um, and so I went to an extremely multicultural ah, high school. And yeah. so I think that has an impact on social dynamics. Sure. That is not really represented in Freaks and Geeks. Okay. I uh, think that's another thing. Fair enough. That's but, fair. I mean, uh, I am I, I, I am a fan of diverse casting. I love seeing multicultural programming when it serves the story. When it's justified. When it's justified. Yeah. When you're not... Because there is uh, there is an overemphasis nowadays in all of television to make sure every culture is represented on a show, and for a lot of things that make sense. If you're talking about a show set in a workplace, there's every reason there should be five, six, ten different cultures represented there, because that is what a typical workplace is these days. If you set a show in 1955 mm-hmm. in a political office... It would be weird. I appreciate for that. their two <laughs> Asian women. There. I'm not even necessarily. I don't want to make it clear. I'm not like the down with freaks and geeks. No, 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 I'm, no, I, I'm just saying like that's one of the things that kept me at a distance. Yeah. Um, but that said, it's a very excellently crafted show. And one of the things I liked about this show um, is how every episode is kind of structured like its own teen movie. Every like almost every episode of this mm. show could have been a Sundance coming of age movie yes. about uh, you know the kids who are concerned that their older siblings are going to get drunk at parties mm. and they replace the keg with non alcoholic beer. That's a huge set piece 
for a Sundance comedy. You could that have would got be a, like a, a lot of really great yeah. co- comedy bits the, out of that. The kids uh, who, you know, one last Halloween hurrah, but they're too old for it. I think, mm-hmm. I think, I think Don Coscarelli made a movie about that. Yeah. Like, I, I, I can see mm-hmm. all of that. I appreciate the amount of effort and care mm-hmm. that went into making each individual story very distinctive. Um, and, and and big issues too, like big important things, like um, the 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 porn episode. Yeah. I think is actually really yeah. rather powerful. Tests and breasts. I appreciate bre- where the the three of you all have very different reactions to the, the adult film yes. and uh, how uh, the character of Sam, how confusing, uh, is kind of marked by his experience, and he's mm-hmm. really unhappy, and he has to be set straight. And I think it's one of just a glorious piece of, of uh, television. My favorite uh, plot, and because mm. I because a lot of these, I said they feel I, I'm like. Sorry, I don't. I don't mean to just be you know just heaping praise all over. You this like the show? That's fine. You like the show? It's going to be effusive as all. The storyline that I appreciated the most, just because because I've seen like a lot of teen mm. coming of age shows. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Uh, but the storyline I, I haven't seen before is there's the episode where Seth Rogen finds yep. out that his girlfriend was born a hermaphrodite. Yes, correct. And that's that's more common than most people realize, and yet it is almost never discussed in an earnest, mm-hmm. reasonable, and indeed romantic way. And it sets him on a journey of a bit of confusion. He's a teenager. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know what that means about him. And he ends up deciding it doesn't mean jack shit. He just loves her. Well, I believe that episode was nominated for a Glad Award. And that's that's mm-hmm. that was a pretty good episode. I thought wow. I'd never seen that topic dealt with on a show like this. Yeah. In fact, most movies are afraid to even go there. So really have that conversation. A little bit of backstory about how that got written and in the in the episodes. So we were originally, after the pilot, NBC picked up 12 episodes. So we shot, I think, 11 of those, maybe 12 of those, and were anxiously awaiting NBC to pick up what is known in television as the back nine Mm -hmm. when you're a first year series. They pick Mm -hmm. up 13, we'll see how it goes. If we like it, you'll get the back nine, bringing your total season one episodes to 22. Um, so, uh, we were very anxiously awaiting the back nine pickup and NBC said, we're going to order one more. (laughs) (laughs) We got the back one. (laughs) And so, um, the producers feared so much appropriately. So this was going to be it. Like what they're the, not gonna. What was the thinking there that they just want one more? Is is there some precedent? I'll, I'll tell you what it was. Closure because it was, it, it, yeah. it was claimed. Well, or? it was be, no. It's a variety of reasons. Most of it had to do with scheduling. At that point, they had already pulled the show from NBC's Saturday mm. Night lineup. We were we never aired more than three episodes in a row, I believe, and then. They we kept getting preempted. NBC had the World Series that year. There was a plane crash off the coast of California that preempted us one night. News coverage. Um, uh, there was so much that that kept us from the air, and so NBC pulled the show from the air. We didn't air any episodes in I think November or December, and then they relaunched the show in January on Monday nights. And meanwhile, a better spot for it. Oh, yeah. significantly. Meanwhile, we'd been shooting that whole time. Mm. And so we were about to complete our initial episode order. And they didn't want to send everyone away because then if they don't order any more, the crew and everyone, they're free to take other jobs. Mm. So to keep the set together while they waited for us to launch in January, they ordered one extra episode. Mm -hmm. So 
Judd, Paul, the writer's room, they secretly thought, this will be it. They're not going to order anymore. Mm. So that episode that they tacked on at the end was Discos and Dragons. That was mm. the last episode filmed of that initial order. And they shot that episode and wrote it and shot it in such a way where they could sort of plug it in anywhere they wanted to to serve as a finale. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then NBC somehow decided, you know what, we'll give you four more. But that's it. You're getting the back four. <laughs> so, In addition to the back one you already yes. got. So that meant they were going to now shoot these four episodes that were going to be put in between the initial 12 or initial 13 <laughs> and this the four episodes and then the one the, we'd the already shot finale. to okay. stand as the finale. And so they were like, with these four episodes, we're going to stick everything in there that we know they're never going to let us do. We're going to fight tooth <laughs> and nail for every storyline they wouldn't approve for mm. the first 12 episodes because fuck them. Uh, yeah, and I mean, so why not? in that list, that's where you had me doing the ventriloquism. That's where you had uh, Martin and the gym teacher becoming mm-hmm. essentially his new father figure. And that's where you had the storyline with Rogan and his hermaphrodite-born girlfriend. Like they never would have never felt confident enough to pitch that in the initial twelve because NBC would just go, "What are you doing? We're trying to get you fans." We're trying to put you on and, and get, we can't advertise that. Mm. So they just said, fuck it, we don't care anymore. We're going to make the shows we want to we wanna make for us. And so they had the confidence in that four-episode bonus order to pitch stories like that and to put their foot down to NBC and say, no, we are doing this episode. And you know so what? They, they wouldn't have been able to do that unless it had already been sort of pulled. Uh, for the writing was yeah. on the wall. Yeah, the yeah. writing was on the wall, and so they said, if we don't do this now, no show may ever do it. And so, what I love about that is there was no guarantee that those episodes were even going to air. In fact, a lot of yeah. them didn't initially. Right. And this was before the DVD market for home video was booming. Some shows got the, the video exist. releases. It, it, was, but it like, was about this time. No, really no it, it was actually, I remember very distinctly, it was after the first season of 24 that mm. they started really pushing while shows were on the air, immediately after, yep. putting them on home video so people could catch up. Yep. Yeah. Um, that before then, you would occasionally get home video releases of things, especially mm. like big cult shows like Highlander or Twin Beaks. But like, yeah, something like Freaks and Geeks, no guarantee that would ever be shown again, nope. except maybe in reruns someday. Yep. So that's very, very bold to just yeah. screw it. Let's not try to like adhere to whatever the network thinks will get us more fans, but just do what we want to do. Yeah. There's definitely really good. Definitely an irony there, though, that the the show like peaks in quality after it's already been canceled. Well, it like, wasn't canceled it, it, yet. Or, okay. We didn't know we were canceled until after we finished shooting okay. all, all of our episodes. Uh, but the way it, it, Judd and Paul always like to think about it, and this is this was what they were doing, they like to say, we got to make 18 perfect movies mm-hmm. with with these episodes. Yeah, there's not a doubt in the bunch. There's yeah. just all, all really great character work, yeah. all really great Sarah's. Yeah, like, like William said, they're all just sort of their own mi- miniature motion pictures. Um, when when you're working on this show, you know, mm-hmm. it's set in the 1980s, you're kind of jiving with a, a lot of the, the pop cultural stuff. Um, what is it about sort of the people that you had to play? Like you said, you recognized being an outsider, mm-hmm. but this is incredibly specific about being an outsider. Was there something that you had to be taught or be told to sort of 
really understand what was going on. For me and and the role of like, Neil... Like socially, yeah. Right. Yeah. For me and the role of Neil, no. Because, mm. uh, two reasons. Uh, reason number one, that character, at least in the pilot, before I was cast in, it was written very similarly to who I am. I mean, I'm not... Mm. Uh, uh, I don't see you wearing many vests. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not... I wouldn't dress like that, but again, different era. I, which is not to say I was stylish when I was a teenager. Yeah. Um, but Neil was always written as like... He thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. Mm. Uh, he's not afraid about girls, even though he has zero experience <laughs> with them. Um, you know, he's the fastest one to the corniest joke. Like, that was definitely all true of who I was when I was 14. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't have to stretch there. But then beyond that, uh, there, the writers of Freaks and Geeks did this thing where after they cast us, after we shot the pilot, even while we were shooting the pilot, every rewrote, re- rewrote, every rewrite that came out while we were shooting was more truer to the voices of who the actors were playing those roles. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, with the exceptions of, say, Martin, uh, you know, Bill. Uh, in real life, Martin... <laughs> Martin wanted to make very sure that everyone knew he was much cooler than Bill. Yeah, he, um, I imagine not wanting to get typecast as the new Eddie Deason. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and uh, but I always like to think the the truest to their character as written was Sarah Hagen, who played Millie. Oh no, shit. Um, okay, she, she's like the the ultra square. She Christian was girl. Yeah. that adorably conservative and sweet oh. and Christian and naive and innocent. Uh, I mean, there is a, a famous to serious fans of the show. Uh, there is a line that she says um, uh, in, uh, I believe it's Kim Kelly's my friend, the, the third episode or the fourth episode, uh, although not to air, but when we had a table read, uh, the whole cast is there and Millie walks up to Lindsay right after Kim Kelly has walked away, and Millie says, "You're not, you know, you're not really hanging out with her." And Lindsay says, "Yeah, what's the problem?" She says, "She smokes. And you know what else? She fornicates it." <laughs> I, that was a, and and, a the, and she says that at the table read, and we all lose it because the line is written in the script as mm. she smokes and she fornicates. Okay. But Sarah, adorable 14-year-old Sarah, did not know what the word fornicates meant. So she just read it as she fornicates it. Like something she's doing to the cigarette. Yeah, that that makes sense. I'm sure that context is correct. And so we all start laughing hysterically in the table read. There's video of it. She has no idea why we're all laughing. She smiles. Uh And then we explain to her. And uh, so that... Of course, was so funny it wound up in the, in the show st- like that. <laughs> yeah, because you can't write that mm-hmm. that that level of genuine innocence to the character. You can't write that in a writer's room. You're like, well, no one would ever really say that. Mm. Oh, yes, they would. <laughs> We've got the evidence. Well, that's one of the interesting things about like a show like Freaks and Geeks. Really, any teen drama, especially on TV, 
it's very rare to get like a whole bunch of actors who are actually the age of their characters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes, people learn they're, they're all, late 20s they're when they're playing 30, yeah, like mm-hmm. teenager. teenagers. I think Linda Cardellini was in her mid 20s. Yeah, she was definitely the uh, stretching the most, but only she right. But only on paper, yeah. she is. She has been ageless as long as she's been working. I, I, I watched, you know, like I remember, I just started watching the show, and I'm just like, I see even just the opening credits with everyone taking their photographs, and I see mm-hmm. Sam Levine, and I'm just like, you look 12 in that. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. they really, like, and you were not. No, you I was 17. A, yeah, you were se- 17. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> were, you, were, you, were you still in school, or were you out? Were you uh, out I was a- just about to finish mm-hmm. school. Okay. Uh, we shot the pilot in uh, March, uh, mm-hmm. February, March, April of 99, and then I was done that June. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sergio, yeah. no. And jo- well, I mean, John Daly, like, he's he's clearly just a kid. <laughs> he was, yeah. he turned, he was 13 when we shot the pilot and turned 14 right before we started shooting the rest of the series. Yeah. Pretty much exactly the age of his character. Yep. Mm. And, and and it shows, and it tells, yeah. and I think it really helps, and it helped, it helped me relate to the character a lot better, because mm-hmm. he, he had a genuine awkwardness. Either he's a, an amazing actor at age 14, mm-hmm. or he's tapping into, like, genuine awkwardness. It was and, both... Yeah. yeah, he's a great actor, and also he was a really awkward 14-year-old, as <laughs> most Every, people are. Sure. Is. Yeah. One thing we talked about when we, when we talked about Selfie was how, like, especially in like, a comedy, the characters kind of like evolve a little bit, and you said they became more like the people who played them, but mm-hmm. I found also, as I watched Weeks and Geeks, you could tell like maybe some of the initial plans for the characters shifted a bit. Like, the first couple episodes, it seems like Linda Cardellini has a huge crush on James Franco, mm-hmm. and they drop that pretty quick. Well, and they uh, move her well, over they, to Jason Segel. They, they kind of drew Rift apart, and you kind of see that they have an interest in each other, and she's a little disappointed. Well, I guess my point is, what, he gets with Busy Phillips. In the first episode, we see that Linda Cardellini, uh, her Lindsay, um, it's shortly after her grandmother died, and mm-hmm. it's this big transformative experience for her. And she was this big valedictorian mathlete, and now she is kind of changing her personality, uh, moving to a different clique. She's hanging out with the quote freaks. Of the title, the burnouts, the stoners, the drinkers, the people who fornicate it. Yep. Um, but like initially, like it actually seemed like there wasn't like this huge. When she, why does she want to hang out with these particular kids? Mm. Is not something that they spend a lot of time delving into in any particular detail. Well, it's just they are just a different group, and I just thought that initially it looked like. She had an, a particular attraction to James Franco's character. Yes, and then after that shifted in like the second or third episode, sometimes I wondered why she was still hanging out with them because sometimes they're really mean to her early mm-hmm. on in the show. Well, only busy. Uh, 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 let's see, Kim and Daniel are kind of mean to her. And That's about Daniel, half the click. Though. Well, no, not actually. I take no. I'm sorry, not Daniel. Ken. Ken. Um, uh, they're, they're the only ones who are mean to her, and Daniel and Nick. Or always wants to say, "Stop it! You're being a jerk." Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, initially in the pilot, it's it, she's attracted to the, the the bad boy, to Daniel, mm. and you know that's so. Then uh, also something to consider: uh, Busy uh, Phillips, her character Kim Kelly, is in the pilot as a guest star. 
I noticed that. They bumped her up to series regular after it got picked up by the network because the network felt like it. we needed another young female in the core cast. Mm. And she's great in She's this. terrific. In fact, in, in fact, in many regards, she's my favorite character just mm. because she's yeah. so unlike... Every, like most of the rest of the characters are from a very similar kind of middle class kind of background. They're all from the same place. And we, when we finally see her home life, we see a different level right. of like, cause, you know, Jason Siegel's dad doesn't support him and he's kind of a dick. And um, obviously, uh, but Lindsay and Sam's family, they're like almost, almost unco- like, um, what's that one movie with uh, uh, the cockroach family? Oh, oh meet, meet the, the Applegates. Meet the Applegates. Yeah. It's almost like almost <laughs> oppressively <laughs> normal. Like I don't quite like wow. <laughs> but like we finally see her family, and it's just like oh yeah. Remember, there are people who actually have it real shitty. Yeah, and we see that all of the behavior yeah. where she seems like maybe she's almost like more of a cliche in her presentation a lot of their characters mm-hmm. is justified through actual mm-hmm. character development, mm-hmm. and I just loved. I, I loved following that character and seeing her evolve and become more uh, rich and nuanced mm-hmm. as we learned more about her and saw her in different situations. Yeah. Um, this this was something uh, we brought up with Selfie and how um, the, the characters make... In Selfie, the characters make decisions to change mm-hmm. during the course of the series, and it's about them trying to grapple with the decision they've made. and yeah. Conscious f- decisions. Conscious decisions. I think Freaks and Geeks... Uh, the, all the important decisions were made before the show began. Linda, like, we didn't get to see this big drama. I think if this were made in today, we'd see the grandmother dying. And that would be see scene one. Yeah. yeah, and we'd have, like, a, an entire, like, six-episode arc before the grandmother even dies to just set up her character yeah. and sort of highlight what a big change it was. And I, I'm sure that's a great way to tell this sto- uh, a story, but I think this story... When we finally meet her, the change has already been made. Mm-hmm. She's already resolved to turn into something, somebody different, and it's more about her grappling with the uh, the consequences of her decision. And you can say that about all of the characters on Freaks and Geeks. They come in fully formed. Right. And even though they're going to grow and change and grow up and learn lessons, you kind of get a good handle on what their personalities are mm-hmm. and who they're going to be. So I'm, I'm looking at your character, and I'm thinking, I, I can picture you... Not only because you know I've met you as an adult, yeah. but I can picture what your character would be like as an adult, where sure. he's going to be in 15, 20 years' time. Yeah. And there's a, a certain kind of writing skill that I think a lot of sc- uh, screenwriters don't really understand when it comes to making characters in that fashion, where we understand not just who they are in a side or you know, in the dramatis personae description, but who they are from the ground up. Yeah, uh, I know I'm being a little bit vague here, no, I know but what I, you're I feel saying. I feel like with Freaks and Geeks, we're getting an introduction to Lindsay's character. Yeah, after the fact. Well, it's you're getting an introduction after the fact of the uh, what do they call it the the inciting incident. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, because she does still have a toe in the water of her previous way of thinking, and, and which is evident in, in the episode yeah. Looks and Books. Mm. Uh, I think that's the name of it. When the, the car accident. And she then goes she, back oh, to the she wants to go back to the mathletes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she she hasn't forgotten that that's who she was just a few months ago. And the last episode is about her making a choice between pursuing exactly. a, a really academic life or going to tour with the Grateful Dead. Right. What's more important to her? Mm-hmm. And and so even right up till that last moment, like you think she's going to go do this math camp? Mm-hmm. 
you know, and then they pulled out that 180 on you. Mm. You're like, oh no, she fucking <laughs> lied to her parents. And I'm glad she I, lied to her family. I'm so glad they didn't pull a Felicity on us because mm. you remember at the end of the first season of Felicity, it's all about who she's going to spend her summer vacation with, cute guy A or cute guy B. And then she says she's going to go hang out with cute guy A. But then at the beginning of the next season, you found out she actually chickened out after the credits roll and hung out with cute guy B. Aww. And I thought that was bullshit. And that I actually quit Felicity. Man. I quit Felicity after that. I'm like, you know what? I, 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 I don't care how cute her hair is. I'm done. Yeah. Like I was, I was so mad at just being cheated like that. When, Although when it is interesting, Don on Beverly Hills 90210 would choose between the two guys, and she put them in the same parking lot together and said, "I'm going to choose which which of us are you going to choose?" And, she, and you think she's totally going to say, "Let's just have a threesome," and she doesn't do it. And she just says, "I'm going to choose me," and walks away from both of them. And you punch the TV. I hate Donna. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but, Sorry. but my point is, this, they're they're in high school, mm-hmm. and even though that's the decision she makes, then mm-hmm. she could still end up being president. Like that was actually like expecting because I knew. From what I had read about the production, that you knew the end was coming, that you would they had made an episode that would act as a series finale if it had to. Yes, I half expected to like have a montage at the end of everyone sort of smiling in their favorite moment, and it's just like Neil killed in Vietnam, <laughs> Sam killed in Vietnam. There's no war; they just visited, and there was a huge accident. On, like, oh wow! A railroad track. Yeah, like everyone, everyone's killed in Vietnam. Okay. Like at the end of Stand by Me and wow. the end of American Graffiti. Like that's. I expected like to find out like what y'all had done. Yeah, is that something you ever you ever talked about or thought about? Like, what's Neil up to now? Uh, not now. I mean, you know, there was lots of talk and has been since then about what season two was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know if you want to talk about that now. Why not? Okay, let's, let's talk about so, it. Last one hundred episodes. We're bouncing okay. around. All right. So the uh, the Neil storyline. I'll start there. I guess the the idea for Neil was that. Uh, his parents were going to get divorced, okay. and it was going to be a very painful and and acrimonious divorce, and it was going to really take its uh, mental toll on Neil, and he was going to start acting out more, and he was going to join what's known as Swing Choir. Oh, no. Oh. I was in Swing Choir. I'm so, so sorry to both yeah. of you. So, I, you know, I was good at it. Screw you. They, they were going to have Neil do m- more stuff like that, get into more extracurricular activities that he could act out in and really really put himself in a bad spot mm-hmm. because of this troubled home life he was going to be having. Uh, as far as um, uh, Bill's character, or Bill, the character of Bill, um, he was going to... Uh, 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 Coach Fredericks was going to start seriously dating his mother, and so then he was going to... Coach Fredericks was going to say, you know, you really have the frame to support being an athlete. Like, I feel like if we just focused a little bit more on your coordination, you could do that. And so then it would have been this whole kind of, like, transformation of trying to get Bill to be a basketball player or a track runner or something. And as far as Sam, he was going to decide... The other Sam. The other Sam, Sam Weir. He was going to decide... You know what? I, I'm tired of being labeled a geek. I want to. I want to be a cool kid. Like I had my taste of it when I dated Cindy Sanders. Like that got me some street cred. That I broke up with Cindy. Like <laughs> I want the cool kids to accept me as one of their own. I'm tired of being a geek. So he was going to distance himself from Bill and Neil. So the geeks were really going to kind of have this like. We've outgrown each other. Yeah, that's sad. (laughs) Uh, Well, yeah, but it it was going to be a whole season arc of Mm. we think we've outgrown each other. But, of course, at the end of the day, they haven't. They were all Mm. just going through some shit. Okay. Um, As far as the freaks, there was serious talk about having Kim Kim Kelly come back from the Grateful Dead to her pregnant. (laughs) Uh, There was serious talk about having 
oof, I want to say uh, not. I think maybe they were going to have to send Lindsay to rehab. Wow. Because, oh. like, she was going to come back, like, addicted to something. Jesus. Um, that would have been heavy. Yeah. They weren't afraid, man. All right. They were not afraid. They also kind of knew, like, yeah, we can write this because we're just fucking writing it. It's never going to get shot. <laughs> um, you know, I don't remember offhand what was going to happen with Nick and Daniel. It wasn't anything good. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that much. Mm-hmm. I think Daniel was going to drop out of school officially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, help me, I can't remember what was going to happen with Nick. But, again, not something good. Yeah. Mm. That's too bad. Yeah. It is a shame, but but yeah. they had they had all this stuff written out. You know, who knows how much of that actually gets into the series? If, yeah, these if, things change, ideas change. You know, because yeah, NBC can always say we're not approving that script, mm-hmm. and then it just doesn't get funded, so we literally can't shoot it. Yeah, uh, but uh, but yeah, it would have been it would have been real interesting to see. And uh, let let me just say this now while people are still listening, in case you uh, are real. Well, I want to see. I want to see. There will never be a reunion <laughs> episode, series, limited run. It's just not going to happen. There, We are all wise enough to know there is no way to write that mm. that lives up to the nostalgia of the first season. Well, I, Beyond I, I, that, mm. and this is the God's honest truth talking, this is the business talking, with the exception of myself... And maybe a couple of the ancillary characters, none of the core cast or creators need the money that bad. <laughs> and that's what most of those reunion shows come down to. Yeah. Is yeah. does the core cast need the money? Because if they don't, those reunion shows don't fucking happen. Uh, I hate so I hate to I, burst I, the I, creative bubble. I don't know what David Duchovny is up to that he keeps going back to the X Files, but mm. Well, uh, well, since also, the X-Files, not that he needs the money per se, but since the X-Files, where has he come close to making a million dollars every ten days? Well, that's, that's, that's pretty fair. Cal- well, but okay. never his, his records that aren't selling that well. Yeah. You know? He um, never made X-Files money on California. Oh, I guarantee you not, yeah. but I think he was doing okay. He was doing fine. He was making all those Swede evolution royalties. Yeah, right? You but know, the problem like, is... Like, playing God wasn't that bad. Yeah. I'm sure he made it for a couple of bucks. Play, yeah. Playing God was pr- pretty good. I liked playing God. <laughs> I didn't mind. Face. It's not a bad movie, but it was commercially a I failure. Know. I know. You know that. I do uh, know that. Yeah. I'm, being, I'm playing devil's advocate. Exactly. Okay. So, th- so he did his passion projects, and they didn't pan out the way he wanted. So then he was very lucky to get Californication and have it run that long. But again, he never made... Who has the rights to Red Shoe yeah. Diaries? He stuck with that till the I, end. I think I think Zalman King is like his estate still holds on to that. They should one. release those for God's sake. At least yeah, on you like can, you can still find them on like Hulu or Blockbuster yeah, like, VHS. There's this whole era of Skinamax yeah. that is lost. There's yeah. no there's no yeah. Shannon Tweed you know, box set. They're, they're out there. You have to like start scouring through like the porno websites though. Like uh. you can go to Pornhub and find those movies. Wow. Like these, like the whole thing, the softcore Shannon Tweed. But those were real movies. There. Like C. Thomas Howell was in those movies. Like he had, he had a whole <laughs> series of Skinamax movies he did with Joan Severance. They were real films. But oh, to, to go Lord. back to Freaks and Geeks, thank uh, you. A, a reunion, 
a reunion is a bad idea because I don't want to see those characters no. in like 1997. No, you know, nobody I does. I, I mean, some some people claim they do. They don't. They think they do. Which, what they yeah. really want. Here's what I always say when fans say, "Do a reunion, do a reunion." Mm-hmm. What they really want is season two. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They want us all to be teenagers again, telling the next chapter of that story that we started. And I don't blame them. I, as a fan, I wish we had that also. Mm-hmm. But there was a an opportunity and a time for that to happen. Unfortunately, it did not go our way. So they're never going to get that. Anything that isn't that is going to be a disappointment. You you could do a a very the state type, you know, snarky thing where you you come back and you're just playing teenagers again, even though you're now adults. I know you mean Hot American Summer, like what Hot American Summer. Uh, but that would just be sort of a, a right. send up. But yeah. tonally, it wouldn't work. The, wor- the wet hot mm. world lends itself to that kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. tongue in cheek joke. I think it's fascinating that because Freaks and Geeks is very much about nostalgia, and now almost twenty years later, we it's are hit, it's a nostalgia driven economy. Yeah. yeah, in a lot of respects, but. The thing with nostalgia is it's not actually what you remember, it's how you remember it. Mm. And I think Freaks and Geeks kind of lives on that. There's a lot of affection for this time, not just this time in the characters' lives, but also that time period. But in almost every episode, you can probably point to one moment where there's something that culturally we're not very proud of. Mm. There's a lot of gay jokes Mm. Uh, uh, sort of interspersed throughout it, and there's not a lot of commentary about it. Like, you know, like uh, when... um, Sam goes to school dressed in what he thinks is a really cool... The Parisian night suit. Yeah, Parisian night suit, not realizing that it's just a jumpsuit with a flared collar. Uh, There are a lot of gay jokes there, and there's no, like, speech about how that's not cool. It's Mm. just part of the tapestry of the time, but we're watching it today going, dude, Mm. weak. And that's something that our nostalgia sometimes glosses over, Mm. is those negative points. Or all the talk, all the the stuff that, like, when uh, Sam's dad talks about, like, all the things he expects from them, and then Lindsay says, well, what about me? Mm. And he says, I expect you not to date at all. And that's a double standard, and that's shitty, and hopefully we're trying to move past that Mm. culturally. And I think when we look back, even on a show like Freaks and Geeks, we're thinking about, like, oh, how much we liked it at the time, but if you did it now, it would be a very different entity. Mm -hmm. We'd look at it now with different lenses, and it would not... Even if it was good, it just wouldn't be what people wanted. I, I, it just think, would never be a thing. I think the the whole thing about being mocked for looking gay, I think, is handled very sensitively in the show, though. I think uh, it, it's not that he doesn't want to be seen as gay. It's just another thing that kids can make fun of him about. You know, he he doesn't... There's no disparagement toward gay people. It's just another slur that people are throwing at There aren't really ways, any gay characters, which is, Well, though, so actually... We don't... Oh, yeah? Okay. In... Uh, um, the Little Things, which is the title of the episode where uh, uh, Ken dates the uh, 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 character born as Hermaphrodite. What's her name? Tuba Girl. Amy. Uh, Amy. Amy. Yeah. Thank you. Played wonderfully uh, by um, Jessica Campbell from Election. Yeah, she's um, great. Uh, there is a deleted scene in that episode. Oh. A big deleted scene in that episode hmm. where Ken goes to Mr. Kauchevsky to ask for advice. Mm-hmm. And Kachewski says, why did you come to me? And he says, oh, I, I thought you were gay. Oh, that's actually on the DVD. Oh, is it? That's in the episode Oh, proper. thank God. Mm. Okay, good. Yeah, and he just okay, says, I yeah. thought you were gay. And Kachewski says, oh, I'm not. Right. Mm. And it's, a, it's an awkward moment. But that right. scene is in there. Oh, well, the deleted scene is later in the episode, he says, I am gay. Oh. But oh. no one <laughs> in school knows. Okay, that's a deleted scene. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's not Kachewski is, his character is gay. Okay. And he oh, tells wow. Ken, okay. I am gay, this has to stay between us. And that, I thought, was 
a sign of the times. Sure. Where if you were a high school teacher in 1980 in you know a suburb of Michigan, you being you could yeah. not be openly gay. You'd sure, have parents. Yeah. You'd have concerned parents going, I don't I don't want that guy teaching my kid. I don't know what he's teaching him. Yeah. So we have that now. We do have that now. Yes, but I mean, in the 1980, in that setting, it would be there is no question it would go badly for him, which is why he is closeted. So I, I was bummed we couldn't have that scene. I understand ish why maybe NBC didn't want it, but it was written that way. Okay. So you know, I'd like to think if we would have had a second season, maybe they would have come back to that. Yeah. 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 Because again, you know, we're not just looking at that time period. Looking at also when Freaks and Geeks was made. Also, and you know, we we evolve over time in the way that we present social issues. But Freaks these does a lot of things really admirably, mm-hmm. I think, and I I respect the hell out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I I do have to say I kind of hated Jason Siegel the first time I went through this. His Just, character, or his, him? his character. Oh, okay. Nick and Doppelganger. Yeah, Nick. He was awkward in a way that I re- both he and Sam were were. Awkward in a way that I recognized a little bit too well, mm. especially when it came to the way they talked to girls. Yeah, uh, it was just mm. painful to watch, and I wanted to, him to sort of like pull through or kind of come have his like come to Jesus moment. He never really did. Mm. You know, he finally had that big audition scene. Yep, that's uh, and, my favorite episode, and, and he just completely blew it. And it's a, it was a little too real, and it made me feel bad for him in a way that made me feel bad about myself. So yeah. I, I projected that onto the character. Sure. So. I had to ruminate on the show for a while before I kind of came around to all of like how sensitive and how realistic it really was. I didn't really. I, have... I, it took me a while to stop smarting, <laughs> as it were. I didn't really have one character who mm. I like really identify with. Probably the closest I came to was Neil, mm. uh, okay. because I was um, a smartass, mm. <laughs> uh, probably for for lack of, mm. of anything else. But um, yeah, I don't know. Like as I said, there's a lot of things in Freaks and Geeks that just wasn't really my high school. Okay, but I know it's so many other people's, and I've always felt like really kind of at a distance from a lot of coming of age material, just because I maybe it was just the way I processed it. Maybe it's just the way I'm hardwired. Um, I don't, I don't like have, I don't even have like nostalgia really for that time in my life. Yeah, I hated yeah. that time in my life. <laughs> yeah, no, me like, too. High school off. was miserable. You know, like, yeah. there's well, stuff I like, but like mostly it's gone. I try not to remember it. Well, did, did you relate to that school experience? You like? Yeah, I had, a, very, I had a small group of, of maybe two or three guy friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was friendly with yeah, other was, kids. You know, like, sad, like you said, yeah. I was friendly with them, but there was never like after school hangouts mm-hmm. with anybody but maybe two or three super close guy friends who were all very like-minded to me. Like, we would watch Monty Python and the Holy Grail, Monty Python and the Meaning of Life. We would watch Kids in the Hall. We would stay up late and have sleepovers on Saturday to watch Saturday Night Live. Like, mm-hmm. that absolutely was my experience with a small group of trusted yeah, old yeah. friends. Um, so that certainly connected with me immediately. Um, you know, as far as some of the other stuff, uh, you know, not, not, not as much, like I was not, a, not a, a Dungeons and Dragons guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it, it, it definitely spoke to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my, my connection to the character and that, and the whole geek storyline spoke to me for sure. Um, you know, the freak stuff, I, I, it didn't speak to me because that's not who I was, but there are certainly plenty of people who were like that. And I mean, I can't tell you the times over the last 18 years now, 19 almost, uh, that people have come up to me, told me how much the older people have told me how much they love the show and then said it really spoke to me because I was Nick. 
It mm. spoke to me. I was Kim Kelly. I was Lindsay. I was Neil. I was Bill. I was awkward. I didn't come out of my shell till I was in college. I had a stutter. Whatever it is. And that's why I think people like this show so much. And it's people, I say older, but it's people of all ages. I mean, I have 12-year-olds who are just discovering the show saying, okay. that's me and my friends. You know, mm. we, 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 we quote whatever, you know, would be the hit show of today. I don't know. But I'll tell you what. Here's a great example. A, a, a month ago, I was at a convention and a bunch of 17-year-olds, three 17-year-olds came up to me and said, my friends and I are like that with Key and Peele. Oh. <laughs> we quote Key and Peele. We have entire conversations with each other in quotes from Key and Peele. That is absolutely <laughs> this generation's version of Saturday Night Live or Monty Python or SCTV. And that's how they talk to each other. That's mm. their language. And, and I get that. And I love that. Mm. And so I think that's the universality of of this show and what it means to certain people. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. And, and it, it, it just did it so well. It gets everybody in a way that the John Hughes generation I don't think really got. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you were talking about the divides. Yeah. And I, I think feel John, like, I feel John like Hughes, the divides are less well defined in Freaks and Geeks and John I, Hughes I was a really like, heightened yeah. reality, I think. Yeah, I think sure. it was it was and it was honestly in many respects it was an aspirational reality. Wouldn't it be great if high school was like it was in Ferris Bueller? Mm-hmm. Um obviously Breakfast Club is a bit more maudlin, but like, you know, a lot of his stuff was like some kind of wonderful is pretty idyllic. In a lot of ways, you know, oh, wouldn't it be great if you could just befriend the bully by the way you draw and everything's awesome. And that's yeah. not actually how no. it works. Freaks and Geeks, I think it is heightened in that the stories are written. It's not purely naturalistic. There's a lot of humorous irony and, you know, crafted storylines that, you know, maybe don't have that randomness that we have okay. in, in reality. But the they, find, a, they strike a good balance, I think. The kind of experience you'd have throughout your four years of high school, not just one year. Yeah, yeah it's, it's all like very, it's all very dense. Yeah, yeah, it's all every every everyone has like five good stories from high school. Well, they're all happening simultaneously to everybody, <laughs> and so it feels a bit crafted. But that's a show. Yeah, that's not a critique. That's just the way it is. Do you think working on the show and having like this really strong connection to that high school experience bled into the way you consumed other media at the time? Like, cons- looked at other high school set shows and saw they're doing it wrong, or I can also relate to that. No, I already knew they were doing it wrong. Um, okay. Dawson's Creek had come on the air, I think, a year, maybe two years before Freaks and Geeks. Yeah, I watched the pilot and I went. Not for me. <laughs> That's some bullshits with that. That's is. some bullshit right I, I there. Am, I, I am not James Vanderbeek. None was, of uh, this makes sense to me. This is so far from my school experience. Mm. Uh, and I, I, I was enamored of its fakeness for about a season. Yeah, its mm. fakeness was so fake. I was kind of entranced. Yeah, but yeah, I was, same thing with nine hundred two one zero. Yeah, mm. that those th- that was we were the first to my other than say square pegs. Which I know a few people have thrown out there. Which, which, we, another, which we need to review. We'll, we'll, we'll get to also, my so called life. Which my so called life was the I, big one when I, I was growing up. I thought it was probably more my freaks and geeks. Still love it that show, too, right but very attractive people dealing with very attractive, attractive people problems in high mm-hmm. school. Other than Square Pegs, there'd never really been a show like that about an entire two distinct groups of outsiders in a high school and what their experience was like. And I, when I read the pilot, I was like, oh man, this is a show that I can't wait to watch. (laughs) Even if they don't hire me. I want to watch this show. When was the last time you actually watched it? 
Because I know geeks. Yeah, the actually been years. But, yeah, but I mean, I probably two thousand three. Wow. Uh, when I rewatched all of them because we all recorded audio commentary tracks for the for the sh- for the DVDs. Yeah. Um, but I mean, uh, but prior to that, you know, I- I'd watched every episode probably ten times when when they were when we were shooting them when we, they were getting released. Sure. I mean. I watched them that many times because A, I was a fan, but B, there were screenings all the time. After it was canceled, once it was out on DVD, we got invited. To, I was used to get invited to screenings all over the place. Mm. So, I mean, I was very, very familiar with the the episodes. Mm. Well, I think. And the stories. Also, you were in them. I was, but even then, yeah. even so, I've done plenty of work since then that I couldn't tell you dick about. <laughs> uh, but But this one I liked. So I just know it really well. Well, it's yeah, a real yeah, pleasure yeah. to have you on to talk about. Oh, it. is thanks, there, man. Is there so anything much. you never get asked about that you just think is fun or a good story or just like it was important to you as you were making it or now? That's a good question. Yeah, and, uh, I know people get asked the same. I feel like I brought this up maybe before, but I will boast about it. So, like I said, I I was a I grew up a fan of the pop culture of that era and and even before that era. And I've always been a big music guy. I love music. I love classic rock. And so when they were writing, um, uh, uh, oh God, what's the name of that stupid? I'm with the band, uh, which was episode production order 105. When they were writing that and shooting it, they had uh, a couple of different songs that the the band were going to potentially be rehearsing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it turned out to be um, Sunshine on Your Love by Cream. Mm-hmm. And uh, once they decided that, I was reading the whole episode and I remember reading the script and seeing that Sam, the, the other part of that episode is Sam doesn't want to shower after Jim. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the, the geek storyline. And so then he gets that pep talk. You know, you confidently march through that, that gym. I, this is my body and I'm proud of it. Mm. You know, and so, and then it leads to him getting, you know, mercilessly, uh, you know, whacked by towels and then they rip the towel and shove him into the hallway. But I, when I was reading that, I sort of envisioned Sam proudly strutting through, or not Sam, I'm sorry, uh, the geeks proudly strutting through, not wanting to get whacked by the towels. Mm. Um, Jesus, it's been too long since I've seen it. The point is, I saw a slow motion version of that. Oh, that's what it is. It's it's Bill. A slow motion <laughs> version of that set to the slow opening of White Room by Cream. That I was like, I that's what I heard in my head. <laughs> Possibly tainted by the fact that I already knew they'd settled on a different Cream song nah. for a different storyline. But I was like, oh, White Room would really fit in well. <laughs> And so I remember saying to Judd and Paul one day while we were shooting, you know, an episode or two prior to that, we were sitting in chairs, uh, you know, by Video Village, and I was like, you guys know you have to go with White Room by Cream here, right? And they were like, really? And I was like, yeah, you do a slow-mo, man. You shoot at 40 frames a second. (laughs) That's the perfect soundtrack to this scene. And they were like, okay, Levine. We'll think about it. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, that wound up being in the episode. And I was so proud of myself. Because nice. mm-hmm. nice. for the first time, I contributed to something that was not a Neil storyline. 
You actually could influence like, the show. I could talk influence to the, show the greater a picture bit. here that was the you know, series. And the series continued. That's the moment where they said we should let Sam direct direct me. an episode. Yeah. Oh, believe me, that was in the cards. <laughs> I had told them I wanted to do that, and they all said season six. <laughs> ah, we, movie. I was still yeah. 17 years old. <laughs> you don't want to so let Ron Howard to... directed a movie when he was five, yeah, probably. Yeah, 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 movies yeah. directed by like 22 year olds. But I'd like to believe they would have. They would have lived up to that. They yeah, would have yeah. let me direct an episode in season six. Like they would. Yeah, like it's, Franco probably would have directed one in season three. You know. Yeah. It's, so who it, are we kidding? It about? seems like the kind of promise they wouldn't make idly. Like they'd actually, they'd, like you'd come back and say, "Yeah, we remember." Well, yeah. If that if that amount of time goes by, I mean, at that point we'd be well over a hundred episodes in. They mm. would have made me shadow directors up to that point, so I know what I'm doing on set. Like I do believe they would have lived up to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but that's a that's a you know that's a, a thing you, no one would really ask in a question. Like, so what influence other than your own storyline did you have on the show? <laughs> like there were things where. Like for the for the, a lot of the freak storylines, if they were having trouble finding the authentic voices of how to write those scenes in the writers' room, they would have Seth and Franco and 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 uh, 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 Siegel come in and, and just improvise. Riff. Yeah, and they would say, "Here's the here's the crux of the scene. You guys are trying to convince him to go into Canada and buy drugs. Go, okay." <laughs> and then they would just sit there with a recorder. Just rec- you know, sure, uh, you know, a, 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 a Sony handy cam like shooting the scene, whatever happens, and then they would take that and show it to the writers and say, "Make this something we can air on TV." Nice. Did, like, did you ever get to do that with, with no? John, they with never. Martin? They oh, never okay. did that with the geeks for two reasons. One, they were the geeks. They, the writers' room were the geeks. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> so they didn't have any trouble finding the. We, we've interviewed Paul Feig on, on a podcast before. He's yeah. he's, he's he came he's to record the, the podcast in like the suit and bow tie. Like oh well, that's that's him since yeah. since about a year after Freaks and Geeks, he dresses for the job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, you. The last time you you'll see a non suit and tie. Uh, Paul is is the behind the scenes on Freaks and Geeks. I, I like yeah. to think that he showers in a suit and tie. These days. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, He's well, he has he has the shower ready version where it's, it's like covered. In the, it's like one it's of the, all vinyl. It's like one of the still suits from Dune. It just wicks all the moisture That's off right. of his body and keeps right. him yeah. clean underneath. Yep. Um, my favorite. I just want to point out before we move on because there's you know there's 18 episodes. They're 44 minutes long each. We could spend a whole lot of time in every single episode. Get the DVD set. Listen to the commentary tracks. There's all the information you can use right there. I want to point out the the cleverest musical cue out of many. There's music supervisor and editor. They did their job. Well, well apart from the theme TV. song. Well, the theme song's good. But, like, yeah. I'm talking about... <laughs> the, the, the cold open of, into the theme song is always a thrill. Like, yeah. every single episode. Mm-hmm. I was always, I'm always bummed when more shows don't do that. Like, remember when... The, and we need to do this. The mm-hmm. uh, sci-fi original series they did of Flash Gordon. Oh, where they golly. had they Barely. had Flash Gordon for the ads, but not the show, hmm. and so they just had some stupid generic oh, the, the Queen song. They yeah, had they had, they the, had the Queen okay. Flash Gordon theme, but I'm like, no, every episode you have the cold open, then there's a big dramatic beat, and then you hear bum 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 Flash. That's that's how every episode begins. Never did it, idiots. Uh, the <laughs> best, really. the best musical cue that was actually in the pilot at the dance, where Sam is gonna have he's, he he has a dance reserved right, for he's him. He's finally looking, gonna have his slow dance, and it's gonna be a slow dance, and it's the opening of "Come Sail Away," yeah. and I'm like. Hurry up, Sam! <laughs> Hurry up! Yep. You're gonna miss it. You're gonna miss your. You're gonna miss your moment, and then he boom, does. kicks in, and it's not a slow dance. 
That was really nicely handled, I thought. Uh, that was written in the pilot of that way. Of course it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul always good. knew he wanted that song for that moment. Because and he did that. You know that happened to him. Like, he never heard probably happened again. to happened to him. That happened to my prom, mm-hmm. where uh, they only did one slow song. And we were taking our pictures, and when we got into the, into the dance, the second we hit the dance floor, boom, thong song. Duh. Missed it! Wow, so missed the sorry. only slow, only one slow dance one slow the entire dance. night. What the That's fuck? Some bullshit, That's man. a shitty prom. It was a shitty prom. Yeah, I went to I only went to two dances my entire time throughout school, and I only went senior year because I was like, I don't want to be fifty. Not saying I didn't go to my dance. <laughs> yada, 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 yada. Both times they sucked, and I wish they hadn't gone. Wow. Like it was just shitty, 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 shitty event management. I went to three proms. My date stood me up for my prom. Congratulations! Yeah. yeah. It makes you a better man. Yeah, that's a that's character. Does it character? Does it make me a better man? Yeah, I can picture Calvin. Did she go with someone else or did she just bail? She just bailed. She stayed home. No, did she? Did she tell you or did she ghost you? She she said she was grounded. Like the next day, she said she was grounded. Was she grounded? Never told and never never told me that she was grounded. She, I don't know if she was grounded or not. If that was just a fib she was telling. She ended up dating women. Maybe she just wasn't into me. Oh, that's, so. that's well, a, there you go. Yeah, that, there, that probably helps. It was a yeah. fib because of she, she wanted the, to go take her girlfriend that yeah. I didn't know about. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, sense. you went to high school in the 60s, so, you know, yeah. it was a taboo well, it, thing. Yeah. Nobody, nobody was coming out, and, you know, we had just mm-hmm. shown Jerry a thing or two over mm-hmm. in Germany. And <laughs> yeah. It was a different time then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sam Levine, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, uh, Bibbs, my pleasure. Yeah. Thank um, you. And uh, that is it for the one first 100 episodes official mm-hmm. of Cancel Too Soon. We also have the Cancel Too Soon monthly movie, yada, 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 yada. But 100 episodes of Cancel Too Soon. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thanks for making it special, sir. Whitney, my pleasure. Thank yeah. you. It's been a real treat. Uh, freaks and Geeks, Cancel Too Soon? Cancel Too Soon, everybody? Cancel Too Soon? That's, oh, that's the name of the show. Okay. Oh, Just confirming. confirm it. Uh, <laughs> uh, we will be back next week. So, like, for the next 100 episodes... Uh, it's going to be all shit you don't care about. No, uh, we're going to be doing... We have a lot of requests to do more animation and more comedy. We've been mm. maybe skimping a bit lately. So the we, next episode... We do a lot of sci-fi from the 90s. That's, that's kind of what we were yeah, That's what we like. But do, we're going to run out of it. We're going to run out of it. Have actually. you ever done Get Real? Not yet. Okay. I haven't done Get Real yet. Try that one. Okay. You want to come back for that? No, I'm not on the show. You don't have <laughs> You don't have to be on it. No, no, no. It has. I, I, I have to be on it or I can't talk about it. Okay. I understand. Yep. Okay. We'll come back for Undeclared then. Okay. All right. Uh, got any more? Uh, well, it's allowed to have been like canceled appropriately, right? Uh, yeah. Oh, well, in that case, I have at least 30. Great. <laughs> uh, I, I consider myself a season one killer. Okay, well, uh, 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 the next year's worth of Cancel Too Soon is the Sam Levine year. Oh, boy. And he'll be back every episode. Yeah. Uh, no, we're going to be t- we're gonna try to do more animation and more comedy throughout the next year. And we're going to start with the next episode where we're going to be doing the 1987 failed pilot for Barbie and the Rockers. Holy shit. Think about, every, think about every animated series you saw in the Every toy got its own animated series, even if it sucked. Even if the toy wasn't good, well, the, the GoBots two, lasted forever. Remember, they came up with the toys first in all of these yeah. cases, and then they built the series around the. I toys. haven't seen this pilot yet, but they made an animated like Gem and the Holograms knockoff pilot of Barbie and a rock band, and they want to have a, a gig in space, mm-hmm. and they didn't take it to series. <laughs> How bad could it be? We're going to find out. I have no idea. Maybe it's good. I don't know. We'll find out next week, but I'm super excited about that. Uh, uh, Sam probably won't be here for that. No, I will not be here. That's I'll, fine. I'll come back when I you think... do uh, Bet, 
That's the Bette Midler I sitcom. <gasps> I remember Bette. I remember Bette. Bette. CBS one year back in uh, 0102. Okay. Uh, I'll come back for... Um, uh, uh, maybe it's me. I think that only one. Yep, maybe it's me. Only went one season. Okay. Uh, I'll come back for raising dad. That only went okay, one season. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. What else did I kill? <laughs> so so many. You, you were deaths. you were on shows like Boston Public and you know, shows yeah, that were successful. You know. Yes. Uh, I always like to say the, the likelihood of a show mm-hmm. not going beyond the season I appear on. <laughs> it's abnormally high. Well, you know, you're in good company. Like, Jason Bateman has killed more shows than he ever made successful. Sure. Like, it seemed like every season he started a sitcom that didn't last more than six episodes. Right. And then finally he was in Arrested Development. Right. John Cryer, same way. Yeah. Yeah. A ton of John Cryer shows. A ton of, of John, John Cryer shows that never yeah. went beyond one season. But they had so much faith in them. Yeah. Like, we knew it. Did they ever I, do a show together? Know. That would have been the sweet spot. And, and I like John Cryer. Yeah. I like Jason Bateman. And I like oh, Sam Levine. I, please. Think, <laughs> I think Sam Levine's kind of neat. He's kind of neat. I haven't yeah. liked him in Club Dread. Oh, he's very sweet. <laughs> he's he's a fan. Shot in the face with booze, if I recall. That's right. Uh, Jesus Christ, that's tequila. Yeah. <laughs> was it real tequila? Uh, no. Of course not. I had to deliver lines afterwards. <laughs> it was a cheap... Cheap... There is really? one, there, and this is in the gag reel that plays uh, with the credits. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first take we did of that... The shot, which, by the way, was fired by uh, Eric, the actor. Um, uh, uh, he hit me directly in the back of the throat. Oh, God. With the, oh, with the water. Jesus. And I tried to deliver my line. <laughs> you can see, I'm just, but there's, it hit me in just the wrong spot. I just, <laughs> And you can see me attempt to, del- to deliver the line to Jay. And he's just like, hang on, hang on. Like, that's in the gag reel. <laughs> Guys, yeah, it was bad news. All right, well, uh, where can people find you online? Sam? Uh, you can find me on the social medias. I'm at Sam Levine, S A M M L E V I N E, at Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and uh, yeah, follow me there and ask me dumb questions, and I probably won't answer them. Sweet. Uh, we are on Twitter at Cancelled Cast. I myself am at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. Uh, you can read our writings at criticallyacclaimed.net. Uh, and by all means, head on over to our Patreon account, patreon.com slash cancel too soon. We have exclusive content, exclusive podcasts, exclusive videos. You can uh, sponsor content on Critically Acclaimed if you want us to write an article for you. Mm-hmm. We'll do that. Um, but again, next week we'll be back with an animated Barbie show. Neat. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And we'll see you next season. Thank you.